Glory to God. So we are now streaming live in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you right now. Glory be to God. And, and we're just grateful. Brothers and sisters of Christ, this is Elder Anton and Elder Jennifer Seals. And we're live on our weekly Thursday podcast. Uh, tonight, uh, the tabernacle of fire in you. That's the spirit of the living God. That's, the, that's, that's that place that you can go to in the secret place of the most high God and talk to God any second of the day that you decide to call on his name. Don't wait till you need him. Sometimes you stop it on a regular basis, say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But we welcome to the tabernacle of fire. We hope and pray and believe and faith that if you're watching this, no matter what state of mind you're in, when you come off of this, you're going to feel better. Hallelujah. We've got a special guest that is anointed that he can bring forth, and the Lord uses him to release Holy Spirit, the, the quickening of and imparting uh, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise and worship. And our special guest today is Reverend Travis A. Newsom. Hallelujah. And Reverend Travis Newsom, uh, by the way, and Elder Jennifer Seals, my lovely wife, the co-host of this, and we're both asking co-hosts. God is the host. We, we're just servants of the Lord Most High. Hallelujah. And so we, we want you to know that Elder Seals and I welcome our guest, uh, Reverend Travis Newsom, an awesome anointed man of God. Uh, tonight, he's going to be talking about the gospel of the kingdom. If there's ever a time to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is right now uh, because people are falling away. And this is Thursday, June 17th. And about our special guests, Reverend Travis is, has earned his Bachelor's of Architect, uh, Architecture from the uh, Illinois Institute of Technology in 20, 2004. Um, in his post-collegiate endeavors, he worked in the architectural industry for several years, became a licensed architect in 2012. Travis worked uh, his work shift from building building buildings up to building up people as an ordained minister. He is a member of the Apostolic Church of God. That's where uh, Dr. Brian Brazier is the pastor, where he serves as a member of the church's official board. He's a member of the uh, Apostolic Church of God Minister Alliance, and he leads the church worship team, uh, church's worship team, prayer team, and the men's ministry. Praise God. Travis has a passion for declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ and things pertaining to the kingdom of God in both word and song. The breadth, the depth, and the calling of, a pop, of the apostolic anointing in prayer, praise, and worship allows him to flow in his willing service as a spiritual workshop leader, singer, psalmist, preacher, teacher, and an inspirational uh, speaker. Hallelujah. So he flows in the apostolic anointing of God. That's the spirit of the living God. And he serves under the banner of his own ministry that's called TAN. Uh, and that's Travis A. Newsom Ministry. Travis A. Newsom Ministries. And you and he does visit and, and serve at different churches and different functions and institutions, organizations. He currently resides in the Chicago area with his lovely wife. And he's a proud father of three beautiful daughters. Uh, you can email him and the information is on the Facebook page, or you can write us at AGS Ministry. And we'll get back in touch with you and forward his information. Uh, we also have, and let me just share this with the listening audience. We're going to start doing this every week uh, that I can remember to do it, Elder Seals. Um, as we go into share, uh, we want to go into where we share uh, every week. We do, uh, uh, can you all see this? The tweets, you see this? Travis, you see it? The podcast yes, announcement. 
So I want people to know every yeah, week, starting now, every time we go on uh, the live podcast, we will show this and let people know that you can find this just by going under AJS Ministry blog page, and you'll see all the information I just read about Travis on our weekly blog page. The nice thing about this to our listening audience and to our our host for tonight. This is the first time we've ever showed this like this, uh, but it's another way of letting people know that he's our guest tonight. You can go back to last uh, this past Tuesday. There I am. You can go all the way back until February and have every guest we've had on. So we just want to share that's something the Lord is doing on our podcast, and we're grateful. So, uh, Elder Jennifer Seals, uh, would you would you be so kind as to um, bless us and with a prayer and and just cover this man to God and let God use him for the next uh, until 8.15 or so or however. And if it goes a little longer, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to grieve the Holy Spirit. So uh, Reverend Travis is, <laughs> hallelujah. We're just glad to have you. Elder, Elder Seals, open us in prayer. And Father thank God, you. we thank you. On today, we thank you, Lord God, because you are the true and living God. We thank you, Father God, for the word and the Holy Spirit of God will down on the inside. And God, let it flow, let it flow. Rivers of living water, let it come alive, Lord God, in this young man. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, let him step back so you can step forward. And Lord God, we're waiting on you, the word of God on tonight. Bless him as number before. Lord God, as share in your word and we thank you help us to receive it in jesus holy name amen and amen hallelujah, hallelujah. amen 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 praise the lord everybody before i begin i just want to uh acknowledge elder anton and elder jennifer seals and just praise god for both of you and your hospitality you have been very kind to me and i appreciate that and i don't take uh that for granted and i've been excited about being here tonight. I do believe there is a word from the Lord and it's gonna be heavy on the teaching side. Uh, but uh, if what has been stirring in my spirit actually manifests tonight, it's going to be a good night. So if you're watching tonight, I encourage you to share the link, comment, engage with us on Facebook Live um, and just reach out and let others know that we are on live now. I don't think that they will take it for granted, amen. Amen. We've already begun with the word of prayer, but I just felt led to spend a few moments in worship as we prepare to delve into the word of God. Uh, so wherever you may be, if you would just begin to lift your hands and just think about all that God has done for you today. And I don't know what your day was like today. I don't know what you faced. I don't know what challenges rose up. Uh, maybe you had a hectic day. Maybe you had a relaxed day. Or maybe you have different anxieties that have been weighing on you. Worship is an opportunity. It is a way in which we tap into the presence of God. Uh, it is something that we do intentionally. So let us prepare our hearts for the word of God in this way. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you. Lord, I love you more than anything. Yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Hey, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, yeah, Lord, I love you more than anything. Hallelujah. Even though we can't hear your voice, where you are, will you just sing that with me in your private space as we prepare for the word of God? Just say with me, say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Yes, I do. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, yeah. Lord, I love you more than anything. Yes, I do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Once again, welcome tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark, Mark chapter 1. Glory be to God. And we're going to highlight verses 14 and 15. And I'm going to read in your hearing out of the New King James Version. Glory be to God. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And this is the word of the Lord. Glory be to God. So the Lord laid it on my heart for tonight to expound upon the gospel that Jesus preached, the message that Jesus preached. Now, before we get too deep into things, uh, a little bit about this book. This book was written by a man by the name of John Mark. Uh, He lived in Rome and he is believed to have been mentored or informed, if you will, by Peter, who was, of course, an eyewitness of Jesus Christ himself. So he's gleaning a lot of his understanding of the accounts of Jesus from his interactions with Peter. And it's likely that he actually witnessed some of these experiences directly himself. Now, just a little bit about the timing or the season or the culture in which this book was written and who it was written to. It was written to those who were in Rome. And at the time, Rome was under Nero, the emperor Nero. Shortly before this gospel was completed, Nero had Rome burned down and he blamed the Christians for it. 
And so as a result, many began to hate Christians and began to persecute them. So he was writing to a persecuted church. And it's also worth noting that the culture of Rome, um, in fact, let me put it this way, the Roman citizen was one that responded more to uh, messages of action and power, less to discourse and dialogue. They were people of action and power. And so that's why this particular book, this particular gospel stands out among the other books as being one that's written in a fast and intense pace. That's why you find words in there like immediately or straightway, or words that indicate uh, an urgency or uh, a liveliness or activity. Because again, he's writing to a people who register more with power and action. Take note of that because that is going to matter later on. But one an another important thing to note about this book is that it seems to highlight Jesus as a servant. And that's gonna matter later on as well. Take note of that. This particular gospel account focuses on the identity of Jesus as being a servant, a servant, glory be to God. So now we have a bit of the setup of why this gospel was written. It was written to communicate like other, like other gospel accounts, the accounts of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's believed that this is what Peter was referring to in his epistle when he said he would make sure that there would be record of the things that he had witnessed and seen. It is believed that Mark John, or John Mark, I should say, was one of those who took record and recorded the things that Peter had conveyed to them relating to the accounts of Jesus Christ. And so here we have this gospel being written with an intensity, with a spirit of brevity, uh, with a straight to the point style that I particularly appreciate. It is written to people who don't have a lot of time, if you will, uh, to be discoursing and dialoguing about um, philosophy, if you will, and questioning and meandering, uh, but it's very straightforward. It is very direct. It highlights the actions of Jesus more so even, I would say, than the words of Jesus. Obviously, it quotes Jesus in the book, but not quite as extensively as you would find in Matthew or as you would find even in John or in Luke. Seems to focus more on the actions of Jesus. So here you have this book starting out talking about the, the account of John the Baptist, who was sent before Jesus, if you will, to prepare the way. It quickly goes into talking about Jesus being baptized in the Jordan. It speaks of how the Father spoke from heaven, affirming Jesus as being his beloved son. And then quickly it whisks us into the account of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and it does not seem to highlight that. It just touches on it. And then immediately after that, in verse 14, our key text for tonight, we find that the scripture says that after John, who had been put in prison, Jesus comes on the scene, preaching, it says, the gospel of the kingdom. And then in verse 15, we find the first words of Jesus recorded in Mark's account. We find the first words of Jesus recorded as saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And I think it's important to note that in the spirit in which Mark wrote his account, that of all the words, of all the quotes, if you will, of all the words and phrases that Jesus uttered, that he would choose to start with this one, that he would let these words be among the first or the very first of the quotes of Jesus in his gospel account. 
And I think that speaks to the significance of these words. Let's go here. Jesus says, first and foremost, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. But then he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, many times when we consider the gospel, um, we consider the coming of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. We hear about all the miraculous things that he did. We hear about um, how he healed the sick, um, gave sight to the blind, raised the lame. We hear about the wisdom of which he spoke. We hear about him being a servant, yes, but also the son of God. Uh, we hear about him being a mighty man of God. We hear about him uh, dying on the cross for our sins. We hear about him being buried three days and rising from the dead and ascending into heaven. Uh, we hear about him and the promise of him returning to rescue those who have put their confidence and trust in him. But I submit to you, not as often do we hear a breakdown of this thing that he referred to called the kingdom. And it's interesting because it's the very thing that he preached. And a lot of times when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we talk about Jesus, the man himself, Jesus, the son of God himself, as we ought. But far too often, I submit to you and I suggest we leave out a critical piece referring to the very thing that he himself taught. The Bible makes it clear that he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And that begs the question, what is this kingdom? And why did he preach it? What did it mean that the time is fulfilled? What did it mean that the, God, that the kingdom of God is at hand? And what was meant by the kingdom? So let's break this down a little bit. The first part, he says, the time is fulfilled. Now that is significant because that means there is a shifting in time. That means that whatever was before this moment is now changing. Something dramatic is happening in this moment. He is indicating that there has been a season of waiting. Hmm. And I believe that's a word for somebody. It's a word for me, glory be to God that there has been a season of waiting that has now been fulfilled. My God, I feel that thing. That there has been a long, an elongated period where they've been waiting. And just to give you context, it's not like waiting for the microwave or waiting for your internet to be restored or uh, waiting for your food to come at a restaurant. No, you have to consider these people have been waiting for the Messiah. That is Israel have been waiting for the Messiah for centuries. They had received prophecies from those of old, like Isaiah, about a Messiah that would come. And some did not live to see this day. So we have something happening, something manifesting after waiting for hundreds of years. Finally, a time had come where a shift was taking place. So when he says the time is fulfilled, it's almost like looking at, how should we say, an hourglass, looking at an old school hourglass. And how when you turn it, turn it upside down, you begin to see the grains of sand fall through the hourglass. And you have to wait for all the grains of sand to fall and get to the bottom of the hourglass. And as it is named, once all the grains of sand fall to the bottom portion, that's an indication that a time, uh, time span of an hour has passed. So if you think about the bottom of an hourglass being filled with sand, that's another way to consider it. So he's saying the time has been fulfilled. The time has been completed. Or, in another translation, the time has come. Glory be to God, my God. So Jesus is saying that the time has come when he says the time is fulfilled. 
He is saying that the time that was prophesied beforehand, the time that you have been waiting for, the time that was foretold by written and oral tradition has finally come to pass. And then that begs the question, the time for what exactly? He then goes on to say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, that would imply that it was not at hand before to a certain degree. It would suggest that. But let's focus on this very thing called the kingdom. When you look at this word in the English, it is transliterated from the Greek word basilia. Basilia, B-A-S-I-L-E-I-A, basilia. And it speaks of kingship, royal power. It speaks of dominion. Um, and it also speaks of, how shall we say? Well, I think that's sufficient. Kingship, royal power, dominion, and rule. Rule is another one. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about basilia, or in the Greek, or kingdom in the English. And it's important to consider that at the time that Jesus was conveying this, that the culture was of such where many of the governments, if not all of the governments, with the exception perhaps of Rome, roughly, um, as it was in transition, were, were accustomed to authoritarian, if you will, or kingships. So he was using language and terminology that the people of the day were familiar with. Again, the people that he's writing to in Rome, specifically that Mark is writing to in Rome, are people who are suffering from the rule of Nero, an emperor in Rome. So they're accustomed to the concept of a singular authority figure ruling and governing over them, be it good or bad. But it's interesting to note that of these terms, not all of them will you find in, in earlier on in the scriptures, such as the book of Genesis. Let, let me explain it this way. In the beginning, you don't see uh, in chapter one, chapters one through three of the book of Genesis, you don't necessarily see the word kingdom um, like this. Um, you see kingdoms evolve and empires evolve and people groups evolve. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about something that existed before time. Mm. So we're not talking about something that is based off the kingdoms of this world. And in fact, flip that around. We're talking about something that the kingdoms of this world seek to imitate. So when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about a word or phrase or basilia. We're using phrases. These are phrases that are communicated to, to articulate something that existed before the, there was such a thing as an earthly kingdom. That's going to matter. So when we, when we hear words like royal power or kingship, those might not be as relevant in our understanding. So then let's dig a little deeper and look at some of the other words when we look at the breakdown of Basilea. That is dominion and rule and power. Dominion, rule, and power. Dominion is a significant word because that's a word that we find in the book of Genesis in the creation account. Bible scholars are familiar with that. And we see the power of God being demonstrated and exercised in that same book. And we see things of rulership. We see God's rulership, if you will, in his creation, but we also see what God bestowed upon Adam, the first man, in giving him rulership or dominion over the earth and over the beasts of the field and so forth. So when we look at these terms, if you consider the word of rule, it really speaks to, how should I say, 
uh, or dominion. It speaks to absolute, absolute ownership, sovereignty. Uh, and this is a word that we hear a lot in worship and describing God. It speaks to him having ownership of all things and quite frankly, having to answer to no one. That's a point of worship right there. That means that the God we serve, he doesn't have to give an account to anyone. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I hope that blesses you like it blesses me. That means, can, can I caveat from the lesson for a bit to bless somebody? That means when God gives you a promise, he does not need to ask permission of your enemies to give it to you. Yeah. That means when God has set a plan for you, no one can thwart it, which is why the prophet Isaiah says, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. That promise is not to everybody, but it is to those who are in him. Glory be to God. Because when you're moving according to how God has led you, because he is sovereign and no power and no authority can successfully and adequately compete with him, that thing has to come to pass. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So we talk about dominion. We're talking about his sovereignty. We're talking about his absolute ownership, if you will. When we talk about rule, we're talking about the exercise of his authority or control. The exercise of his authority or control. But I want to shift to that third word, that word power. That word denotes the ability to act or to produce an effect. Yes, yes. That word again denotes the ability to act or to produce an effect. So when we talk about the kingdom or the power of God, we're to act or to produce an effect. So we can define the kingdom of God or we can explain the kingdom of God in this way, that it is God's ability to act or produce an effect being rooted in his absolute ownership, glory be to God, of all things. Can I say, should I say that again? When we talk about the kingdom of God, a way to understand it is that, glory be to God, I feel the Holy Spirit, is that it is God's ability to act or produce an effect being rooted in his absolute ownership, his absolute authority over, as the creator of all things, over all things. Glory be to God. Now, something that's interesting to note, when we look back at this word kingdom, notice that it's not capitalized in the text. You will never find the word kingdom capitalized when it's referring to the kingdom of God. Now, this is interesting because if you look at some of the kingdoms that even exist today, such as the United Kingdom that's based in Europe or the, uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia or the kingdom of Bhutan, if you will, in Asia, these words, these kingdoms are capitalized because they are a proper name. They are a proper noun denoting a name of specific territories. But it's interesting that when it comes to the kingdom of God, it is not capitalized mm. because it's less about that term and it's more about the very thing that that term is trying to convey. Lord have mercy. I hope you all with me. It's less about, see, what we try to do 
let me put it this way. What we try to do, sometimes we, uh, we ascribe to God humanistic or carnal qualities that we should not. So, and Jesus talked about this when he talks about those who seek to be great or those who seek to rule. He said, don't, don't do it like those in the world who seek to put their foot on other people's necks or their knees on other people's necks or abuse their authority or abuse their power. That's not the kind of kingdom that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a servant kind of kingdom. Glory be to God, I feel it. Hallelujah. So he, he's making a distinction between this kingdom that he's talking about and the kingdoms of this world. And it's interesting, this kingdom doesn't need to be named with a capital K because there is no other kingdom or system or power that is equal or that can compare to it. So it has no need to distinguish itself. <laughs> Lord have mercy, I hope y'all with me tonight. So he's talking about a realm of authority, a level of power. Yes. He is talking about an ability to act or, or I should say, and to produce an effect. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So it's interesting. That gives, a better, gives us a better understanding of God's power as he spoke and caused the worlds to be. As he formed the earth when it, was with, when it was without shape and without form, and he formed it and caused the waters to recede and caused land to appear. And when he formed man out of the dust of the ground and the beasts of the fields and the fowl of the air and the creatures of the sea, when he parted the Red Sea and when he decided to make himself known in the person and work of Jesus Christ through a virgin girl named Mary and heal the sick and raise the dead and do all these crazy miraculous things, that gives us an understanding of the power by which he was able to do all these things because, again, he has, out at this, limitless ability to act and to produce an effect rooted in his absolute ownership of all things. Oh, glory be to God, I feel it. So then we have the beginning of what Jesus says, the time is fulfilled, okay? But then he goes on to say, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now that begs the question, does that mean that God's kingdom did not exist? Or was not present? before this time? Does this mean that before this moment that God didn't really have a kingdom? That now God's kingdom was manifesting? Of course not, because as we just said, his kingdom was exercised and used before the beginning of the world, before the beginning of time, to create time and all the things therein and the universe and all the things therein. So we know it's not talking about the beginning of his kingdom because his kingdom always was. Glory be to God. I feel it tonight. Hallelujah. If you're watching this live or you're just watching this in any kind of way, just type amen. Type I feel you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Because I feel God doing something. I feel God doing something. I feel revelation knowledge about to flood this Zoom tonight. And I'm excited. Glory be to God. So he's not talking about the kingdom of God as if it's something that is new. Because God is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. Glory be to God. Has no beginning, has no end, just like himself. So that's not what he's referring to. 
So then that begs the question, what exactly is he talking about by saying the kingdom of God is at hand? Is he talking about in terms of time? Is he talking about in terms of geography? Is he saying that it's closer? Is, is it like saying that one might be in Chicago and one used to be in Iowa, but now they're closer? Now maybe they're in DuPage County? Is he talking about geography? What is he saying that is at hand? I want to draw your attention to something very interesting. Go with me later on in the same gospel account. Oh, glory be to God. Mark chapter 12. Hallelujah. And I want to hone in on this interesting interaction that Jesus has with one of the scribes. And we're going to begin in verse 28. Again, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, mm, perceiving that he, speaking of Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Verse 29, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Lord have mercy, we could camp on that all night, but I have to move. Verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Verse 31, and the second is like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There, there is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, verse 32. So the scribe said to him, <laughs> trying to compliment Jesus is funny. Some of these accounts in the Bible, they're trying to speak, they're trying to encourage the master, the king of kings, lord of lords, the one who the book was written about. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So the scribe said to Jesus, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God. Mm. There is no other but he. But then he says, verse 33, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole, whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. But then it's there's, there's verse 34 that gets me. Check out verse 34. Now when Jesus saw that he answered, watch this, wisely, when Jesus saw that he this particular scribe, not everybody, somebody say not everybody. He wasn't talking to everybody, everybody. He was talking to somebody specific. Mm -hmm. He said, now when Jesus saw that he answered him wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Yeah. But after that, no one dared question him. This is not one of those passages where Jesus was speaking to everybody. This wasn't like an all-inclusive situation here. He was speaking to this specific scribe. And he says, you, based upon the fact that this particular scribe had answered wisely, stay with me. He says to him, you are not far from the my kingdom my of God. Now, it is apparent if you look at the context of this passage that there are others near him. But that word didn't apply to them. It applied to him. Glory be to God. That lets us know that the proximity of the kingdom is not a matter of geography. Because if that were the case, all of them would have been far, would have been close to the kingdom of God. But that was not the case. And might I submit to you that neither is the kingdom a matter of time in terms of proximity. That go with me to, let's go to Luke. Let's, let's talk with Dr. Luke. 
Look at his account in chapter 17. I feel it. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of God. Glory be to God. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. Hallelujah. Beginning in verse 20. Now, when he was asked uh -huh, by the Pharisees, watch this, when, <laughs> when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God, watch this, does not come with observation. Now, that's interesting. Note that he said, he did not say will in that particular part. He said, does not. Will will be indicative of future tense. Does not is indicative of present. Glory be to God. Stay with me. Uh, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Verse 21. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So we see from these passages out of Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, and Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, that the proximity of the kingdom is not a matter of time, nor is it a matter of geography. Matt, I submit to you that based upon Mark chapter 12, that the proximity of the kingdom is a matter of wisdom and understanding. I'm going to say that again. Your proximity of the kingdom is a matter of wisdom and understanding. And here Jesus reveals they're, they're talking about something that's a far off, far, far off. In fact, Lord have mercy, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think this is worth going there. If you look at Acts chapter 1, the Bible records as Jesus was preparing to ascend back unto the Father. He had been teaching his disciples after he had risen from the dead about things pertaining to the kingdom. But then they asked, they essentially say, I'm paraphrasing, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because again, they were looking for the kind of kingdom that they saw in other kingdoms. They were looking for an earthly kingdom. They still couldn't quite grasp that this kingdom that Jesus was talking about was not of this world. In fact, the scripture quotes itself, and, and the scripture quotes Jesus as saying to another individual that my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, my kingdom's on another level. You can, you can have your kingdoms. Caesar, you can have your image printed on money. I don't need that. I don't need my image printed on anything in order to affirm my authority. Lord have mercy, I can camp out right there by itself. So, so they're looking for something that is likened unto the kingdoms of this world. <laughs> but then Jesus says, it is not for me to give you the times or the seasons that the father has committed to his own hand. But he says, but you shall receive, watch this, power. Interesting, there's that word again. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses and so forth and so forth and so forth. Glory be to God. So the proximity of the kingdom it's not a matter of time. It's not a matter of geography. So then that gives us a clue to what he means when he says that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Because a lot of people have interpreted this passage to refer to time. And I submit to you that you're not really doing the words of Jesus full service in doing that. Now, I must, I must highlight here, there is an aspect to the manifestation of the kingdom that is time related. We know that the Lord will return. We know that he will come for his people. That has to do with the end time prophecies. We understand that, amen, somebody. So we understand that there's a point in time when the fullness of his kingdom, or I should say his kingdom will manifest in a way that it cannot be denied. It is at that day that the prophecy will be fulfilled where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There'll be no more room for debate. The authority of Jesus Christ, the lordship of Jesus Christ, the reality of God, the reality of his kingdom, his authority, his rule, and his dominion will be plain for all to see. That day is coming. So there is a time aspect in that regard. But though we wait for that time, that does not mean his kingdom is not already here. Help me, Holy Ghost. Even geographically, a lot of times we see uh, in the scriptures, I think like Matthew's account, you'll see Matthew or Luke's account, you'll see instead of the kingdom of God, you'll more so see the kingdom of heaven, right? And it's really talking about the same thing. Now, a lot of times when people hear kingdom, if they haven't dug into the word to make a distinction between the kingdom of, and kingdom of heaven and heaven itself, they'll assume that that phrase and that word is speaking of the same thing. But heaven is a place or realm. The kingdom is not a place. I'm going to say that again. It is a system. Or as we said, the kingdom of God is God's ability to act or to produce an effect being rooted in his absolute ownership over all things. Glory be to God. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Watch this. On earth, a place as it is in heaven, a place, two different places, one system. Lord have mercy. I hope y'all are getting this. So Jesus is teaching, the, teaching us to pray, your kingdom come. Glory be to God. Your will be done. Now, here's what's always gotten me about that passage. Found in uh, Mark, one, one account is written in Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter six, the prayer that Jesus taught. We assume and it's understandable that Jesus is teaching them to say, um, Lord, we, we're asking for your kingdom to come. And that there is truth in that, right? That speaks to the belief in the manifestation of the fullness of his kingdom, the return of Jesus Christ. We're taught to pray toward that day. That is in order. There's an aspect that I think we overlook in this statement. Notice uh, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, it's clear that that is a petition. Give us this day. I will submit to you that the entirety of that prayer is affirmative in nature, by the way. That in the prayer that Jesus taught, he's not only teaching us how to seek the Father, but he's also revealing to us how the Father operates and what the Father will do and what the Father's will is toward us. Glory be to God. But when it comes to this phrase, when he says, your kingdom come, it's almost like a demand. It's more like an affirmation. Lord have mercy, help me, Holy Ghost. So I submit to you that yes, in the sense of time, in terms of waiting for Jesus to return physically as he promised he would, waiting for the new heavens and the new earth, that yes, that is what we're praying toward, but there is a present reality in making that statement. 
There is an affirmation about the presence of his kingdom here and now, and it's a calling forth of the manifestation of the same. Help me, Holy Ghost. So when we say your kingdom come, we're saying your kingdom manifest. Mm. Your kingdom show itself. Lord have mercy. Can I put it this way? It's like dew point. There's always moisture in the atmosphere. We just don't always see it. But when the temperature is conducive, we begin to see droplets appear on our windows and on our car and so forth. I think of the song, I don't know who Richard wrote out. I don't know if it was Juanita Bynum or, who, or whatnot. The song says, like the dew in the morning gently rushed upon my heart. Beautiful song. And, and it speaks to the morning time. That's why it's something about praying in the morning. There's a freshness in the morning. And we begin to see the dew manifest. And it's not like water just appeared, or let me put it this way. It's not like the water just arrived there. The water was there. It's just that you didn't see it because the atmosphere had to be conducive for the manifestation of the moisture that was already there. And I submit to you, that's what the kingdom is like. Glory be to God. Help me, Holy Ghost. Y'all forgive me, I'm getting happy. And this is dangerous when I get happy because I've been given more time than I'm accustomed to, to tonight and I'm quite confident I will use it all. Glory be to God. I think of the Wright brothers. And what gets me about the Wright brothers is that they're, they're credited with discovering flight. This is the interesting thing. But it's not as if they created the laws of physics that govern flight. They just tapped into the wisdom to know how to work it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to let that sink in. Amen. The physics Amen. were already there. there. Lord Amen. have mercy. But they tapped into the wisdom to work it. Lord have mercy. I hope somebody is getting this. No different than all the materials you see now. Right? Some of these newer materials. It's just that wisdom has been revealed to work them, to take the technology that we have now. This, it's awesome that we can communicate like this. Lord knows it helped us during the crux of the pandemic to be able to communicate like this via Zoom and whatnot. Praise God for social media and for this kind of technology. But did you know that the principles that govern this technology were here since the foundation of the world? They just didn't know how to work it then as we do now. Begs the question, what other things, what other possibilities, what other things could we experience that are right in our midst that we don't have a clue about? Just think about that. 20 years from now, there's going to be an invention that is going to blow this world, that is going to blow your mind, that is going to shake the world. No different than a smartphone and the iPhone or Android for us Android users. No condemnation. There's something that's going to come on the scene that's going to cause people to be like, wow, this is awesome. That's how it always happens. The potential for that invention that's going to manifest in 20, 30 years is here now. The physics exists now. The science exists now. Just that we don't understand it yet. But as we learn and grow, it will unfold and we'll be able to apply it. That is what the kingdom of God is like. Help me, Holy Ghost. And when Jesus said that the time is fulfilled, he was now saying that though this kingdom has already always been in your midst, 
And though it's always been at your fingertips, by the way, that's another way of saying is at hand. It's within reach. It's within your grasp. Glory be to God. Now is the season for you to access it. Now is the season for you to enter into it. Help me, Holy Ghost. Lord have mercy. Y'all pray for me because I feel it. So it was already at the fingertips before, but they didn't have access. It was there before, but they didn't have access. Help me, Holy Ghost. Go with me. Glory be to God. Lord have mercy. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Go with me to Galatians. No, it's funny. I used to say, oh, this is my favorite passage and all the kind of stuff. And then I just try to stop saying that because too many passages fit that category. So I just said, it's all good. It's like a buffet. It's like the word of God is like a buffet where there's nothing bad. You ever go to a buffet and sometimes there's that one item that doesn't really taste good. And you're like, okay, I'll bypass this. The word of God is like a spiritual buffet. It's all good. Glory be to God. Go with me to Galatians chapter three. Yeah. Hallelujah. Mm. Yeah. Glory be to God. I feel it. I yeah. feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all be patient with me. Hallelujah. Let's look at chapter three, beginning in. Mm. Excuse me. Chapter three, looking at verse. 20, oh, this is so good. God help me, Holy Ghost. Okay, let's start in verse 25. If we need to go back, we'll go back. Verse 25. But after faith has come, we are, uh, no, I need to go verse, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Okay? Mm -hmm. Kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. That goes back to the whole time being fulfilled. Help me, Holy Ghost. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Help me, Holy Ghost. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Watch this. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Mm. Uh, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Watch this. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. I, I need to rewind. I'm not going to read the whole passage. But when it talks about Abraham's seed, it's referring to the promise that God gave to Abraham that out of him from his seed will, be, will come many nations, more than, than could be numbered. And that, and that all the nations of the world would be blessed through his seed, singular, speaking of Christ. There'll be Holy Ghost. And heirs, watch this, verse 29, Galatians chapter 3, according to the promise. The heir word is critical. Hang on to that. Now let's skip over into, let's flow on into chapter 4. Now I say, chapter 4, verse 1 of Galatians. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child... Holy Ghost mm. does not differ at all from a slave. Watch this. Though he is master of all. A king's kid, a prince, 
for nothing from his servant, though he be Lord over all. Mm. Operating like a servant, though he be a king or a king's kid, he's operating like a servant. This reminds me of a moment of prayer I had several years ago that really messed me up in the good way. And essentially the Lord said that I was asking, I don't even remember what I was asking for, but I remember this point. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying, why are you talking to me like a peasant when I've made you a king? I'm going to say that again. He said to me, why are you talking to me like a peasant when I've made you a king? And the truth be told, I didn't realize I was a king. And that's because I was a child and I understood as a child. And I don't claim to have perfect understanding yet, so don't misunderstand me. But at this particular point, I just didn't have the understanding to know that I didn't have to obey God like a peasant. That, that wasn't the way he ordained for me to approach him as one of his sons, as an heir. Glory be to God. So then he says, so he's a master of all. Now that's interesting because again, Speaking of God and speaking of his kingdom, one of the words we refer to was dominion, which speaks to sovereignty or absolute ownership as it relates to God, ownership over what? Over all things. So when we talk about being an heir or an heir of God, help me, Holy Ghost, go with me to Romans chapter eight. I told y'all we we're going to get deep tonight. Don't get upset with me if we go to all these scriptures. I told you we were going to go deep, but it's worth it. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But beginning verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now watch this in verse 14. For as many of you as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Mm. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Uh, there goes that slavery thing again. Mm. The spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption mm. by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now watch this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Help me, Holy Ghost. And watch this. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of who? Paul goes on to say, heirs of God. And then I love this part. I'm so grateful for this part. Almost as if he knows in our humanistic tendencies will limit the level of our inheritance. He then gives further clarity. He says, joint heirs yeah. with Christ. Now, anybody who knows anything about real estate, that when you talk about someone being a joint heir, it's not like, how should I put it? Let's say myself, Elder Elder Anton Seals, Elder Jennifer Seals, and Evangelist Curling West, who I know is on tonight. Let's say <clears throat> that we are heirs to a particular house. It's, it's not like I get a fourth and Elder Anton gets a fourth and Elder Jennifer gets a fourth and Evangelist Curling gets a fourth. I, I can tell Elder Anton already knows where I'm going with this. 
It's, it's, not, it's not like we get fourths of the house. We all get equal access to the entirety of the house. My God, my God. Lord, I don't know if y'all understand what I'm saying. But Paul says, we're heirs of God. And just in case you try to water that down with your humanism, he then clarifies and says, joint heirs with Christ. Lord have mercy. So when we talk about the kingdom, I'm trying, I'm trying to teach this thing. As, so as when we talk about kingdom or God's ability to act and or to produce an effect being rooted in his absolute ownership, mm, glory be to God. God is saying that that's always been the case and it's always been at your fingertips, but it was not the point in time for you to enter into it. So I had to send the law first to break you down, help me Holy Ghost, so that you wouldn't try to attain this by your flesh or by your works. I had to show you that it was impossible for you to qualify for this level of authority by your own works, lest you be filled with pride. Lest you be filled with yourself. Lest you think that because you're a deacon such and such, elder such and such, pastor, apostle, bishop, potentate, and all this, and think because of all these titles that you have earned this. No, it doesn't work that way. So I allowed the Lord to come to break you down, to bring you to a place that anything that you receive from me would have to be according to my grace and through faith. Help me, Holy Ghost. Lord, have mercy. And that's where we get to this other part of the gospel. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because essentially, ladies and gentlemen, I'm only repeating what the scripture says itself. In fact, let's go to John. Because I can tell. See, I know when we get to this level of teaching, those demons start arising because the devil does not want you to know who you are and whose you are and what you have to work with. So he causes you to look at yourself based upon your own humanism and qualifications and not based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. So he can limit the degree to which you operate in the power of God. But watch this, John chapter 14. Hey, oh, it beats up God. Yeah. Beginning in verse 12, most assuredly, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Am I making that up? Is it there? Look in your Bible. He says, the works that I do, he will do also. Watch this. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Now, a lot of times when we hear this preachers watered down. And preachers and pastors feel they, they need to safeguard people from being blasphemous or for thinking too highly of themselves than they are. So we water it down. We said, well, of course, no one can do greater works than Jesus. And they, they explain it away and they whittle down the power of the text. Leave the words of Jesus alone. He said what he said and he meant what he said. Leave it be. Do not add to it. Do not take away. Hello, somebody. Glory be to God. So he says, you will do because I go, because watch this, because I go to my father. Now, why does that matter? Because that was indicative of his resurrection, which was indicative of the finished work at Calvary, which was indicative of our justification. Because he died because of our sins. Yeah. <laughs> God, I feel this thing. But he rose because of our justification. That means 
He paid the price that was necessary for us to be able to enter in to this level of authority. So when the enemy starts messing with you and says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? What do you, who do you think you are? You can believe that you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover, cast out demons and all this kind of, who do you think you are to think you could do what Jesus did? Well, Jesus said I could, but what about what you did? What about five years ago? What about 10 years ago? What about that life that you lived? And that's a good question. But the blood takes care of that. Yes. <laughs> what can wash away my sins? Yes. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Lord, I feel it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. It's not talking about color. It's talking about purity. It's talking about that when God sees us being in Christ, he makes no distinction between us and Jesus. Lord have mercy. I don't know if y'all got that. Can I help somebody? Lord, this hour went fast. Glory be to God. Can I help somebody? I used to struggle because I wanted to see what I wanted to see what Jesus looked like, especially on that cross. You know, when the uh, when the passion of the Christ came out, that great movie that Mel Gibson did. Um, that gave great law illustration of what Christ went through at Calvary. Uh, help me, Holy Ghost. It, it was nice to see, not pleasant, but it was helpful to be able to visualize and to see what Christ suffered. Like he, he, he didn't really hold back on the imagery. We had, we had to see the core of it, the nastiness of it. We had to see the flesh and the stripes and his blood gushing out and the bone. We had to see that. But I would wrestle with, God, what, what did you look like on that cross? When, when we sing songs like, when I survey the wondrous cross. But God, what was your face like on that cross? I want to see what you look like. And I wrestle with that. And I need you to catch me, catch, catch this. Stay with me. In a, in a particular moment of prayer, God began to speak to me and said, Travis, look in the mirror anytime you want to get an image of what was on that cross. I don't know if y'all understand what I'm saying. <laughs> hey. Because of the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. Yes. Ah, Lord, I don't have time to go there. But look, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, somewhere around verse 10. And it says that seeing as how he died for all, it means that all died. That can be interpreted in one of two ways. One particular way would indicate that because he died for all, it's as if all of us were with him on that cross. Help me, Holy Ghost. That in bearing our sins, it was as if all of us died on the cross of It's not to say that we did die. It's not to say that we paid the price. Hear me. It is to say that the effectiveness of what he did is as such as if we died on the cross with him. Glory be to God. So when he was on that cross, he took your place. And it seems very basic, 
and very fundamental, but it matters. It's everything when we consider the inheritance that God has given us because the enemy will try to disqualify you. Don't fall for it. Don't fall back into works righteousness. Stay in grace. Stay in the grace of God. Don't fall back into thinking that it's by works because you'll disqualify yourself. That's why Paul said, you know what, to the Jews, he said, y'all tripping, if I may speak in a more modern day vernacular. Y'all tripping. Y'all stressing out and trying to earn all this kind of stuff. I'm going to turn to the Gentiles since he says, watch this, you judge yourselves not worthy of this gospel because they were caught up in works. Lord have mercy. Is anybody getting anything out of this? So, so essentially, Jesus is saying to us, this kingdom has always been here. But now that I have come, I'm opening your eyes to see that it's here. I'm demonstrating it in how you see me heal the sick and how you see me raise the dead. What you see me do, Jesus says, I'm a prophetic picture of what you can do through faith in me. If you see me do it, Jesus says that just as I see my as, as I do what I saw my father do in heaven. That's what he said. He says the works that I do, I only do what I see my father do. So now he's doing it in our sight, which means that he is releasing us by faith in him to do what he did. If you see him do it, you can do that. And I know it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow because all the disqualifications come up. And you think, but what about this preacher? We don't see him do it. What about this? What about this? What about this? Well, last time I checked, we weren't supposed to base our faith in men. It was supposed to be this word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why I always get nervous when people start quoting preachers more than they quote the word. It makes me nervous. I watch this church program. I watch this church program. How have you been in your word? Because who knows what level of anointing they're operating in. And they may not be at a level that God is trying to take you to. You need to get into this word for yourself. Jesus saying, this kingdom that you see me operating in is available to you. Now, maybe you're watching this or maybe you will be watching this. And you're not saved. Hello. This message applies to you. And all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and that he took your place at Calvary, that he paid for your sins. But I want to hone in on tonight on those who are saved, those who've been in the church. And maybe you say, I've been baptized this way or baptized another and I'm good to go. Maybe you say, I've spoken in tongues and I've done some spiritual acts and I've served. I'm good to go. When's the last time you raised the dead? When's the last time you saw the sick healed by you laying hands on them and praying over them? When's the last time you saw demons cast out of that person on the L that people write off as being mentally ill, but you know that's a spirit manifesting through that mental illness? When's the last time you experienced that? And you might say, well, God has not called me to that. What do you think he meant when he said the kingdom of God is at hand. What do you think he meant when he said in Mark chapter 16, those who believe in me, in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with two new tongues and so forth. He meant that we're supposed to operate at that level of power. And I'm called tonight to remind us of that truth. As I prepare to close, glory be to God. To remind us of that truth and to challenge you to believe for greater. I need some of you to look in the mirror tonight and I need you to see yourself as, as you read the word of God, as you see the works of Jesus, I need you to begin to get a vision of you doing the very things he did. 
I need you to see yourself doing that. You have to have faith for it. You have to see it before you see it. I don't know if you caught that. You have to see it with your faith before you see it in the natural. If you don't believe for it, you won't experience it. That's why the kingdom operates by faith. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by not faith, by his faith. Nobody can do it for you. You have to believe it for yourself. And God is saying, I've given you that kind of power. I've made it available to you. It's at your fingertips. It's closer to you than you ever expected. It's always been there. God says, stop acting like a peasant when I've made you a king. Stop fighting over these little blessings when I've given you all things. When you understand that God has given you all things, you don't get jealous. There's no need to. Jealousy is irrelevant because nobody can take from you. And whatever it seems like they took from you, just let them have it. Now, I know that may seem extreme, but that God always replenishes. There's no limit to what he can supply. Glory be to God. Yeah. I feel this thing. Hallelujah. Help me, Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody just pray with me. Yeah, Glory to God. I feel like somebody's eyes, spiritual eyes, are being open. You're seeing yourself in a way that you've never seen yourself before. And the Spirit of God is beginning to deal with you. You're beginning to see yourself as the answer to some of the issues that you've been witnessing. You've been wondering, when is somebody going to deal with this? And now you're realizing that you're the one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That sick neighbor that you have. God is saying you're the one who's supposed to pray over them. And you might say, but God is hard. I, how can I believe at that level? Bible says that faith, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to keep on saying what he said. That's how you build up your faith. And sooner or later it overflows and you begin to see manifestation. But you have to build yourself up on your most holy faith. You have to speak the word of God to build up that faith. And don't let anyone discourage you from what God has said. I don't care if they're titled or untitled. I don't care what kind of reputation they have. Don't let anyone rob you of what this word says. That's why you have to know it for yourself. Glory be to God. God is saying that this power is available to you. God is saying that this same power that I had when I spoke the world into existence and I caused the elements to shift at the command of my tongue. I've given you. That's why I said in Mark eleven twenty three. Most assuredly, I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He shall have whatsoever he says. God is saying, I've given it to you. But will you believe it? Do you trust that my grace is sufficient? Do you trust that my mercy is sufficient? Do you trust that the blood did cover you and it does cover you? Do you trust that the blood of my son makes you whole in my sight? Because one thing I have not mentioned is that you must be born again. Born of the spirit of God. Because it's the spirit of God that causes you to see yourself as a child of God. And until you have that revelation that you're a sibling of Jesus in the spirit, you will never have the faith to walk at this level. But when you understand that that's what you are, not because of how good you are, 
but because of what Christ did at Calvary, because of the finished work of the cross at Calvary, then it sets you free to do all kinds of wonders in his name. That's why the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So I don't know who this message was for tonight. I know I got a lot out of it, but I'm not on here just to encourage myself. I'm here to encourage you. God is saying that there is more. And you've been wondering, you've been saying, God, I haven't been seeing it. I don't, not, not, no offense to the church you may go to, but you've been saying, God, I'm reading it, but I'm not seeing it in my church. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing where I am. And you've been wondering if it's you or if you're crazy. You're not crazy. This is your sign. It's real and it's there. And God is saying, delve into that word. Speak that word over yourself. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. God is saying you're the one. And I'll close with this. I did say that Mark's thrust, Mark seemed to focus on the identity of Jesus as servant. This kingdom, this power that God gives us, is not so we can boast in how powerful we are. That's why he had to check the disciples when they had come back from their excursion and they said, look at all this stuff we can do. And Jesus said, just be happy that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm paraphrasing. He said, this power isn't given to us like kids with candy to play with. It's given to us to work because we're in a world that is lost and they're hungry, not for your religion, not for your church program. They're hungry for him and creation is groaning for him. This kingdom, this power that God wants to give you, that God has made available to you, is to demonstrate his reality, his tangibility. That those who would not otherwise believe might see that he is real, that he is here with us, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that his power is in our midst. And there's somebody that might not come to church with you on Sunday. They might not stream something like this with you. But if you're able to operate in kingdom power in the right now situation, you will be the vessel through which the channel through which they'll come to know Christ and give their lives to him and become partakers of this divine nature, this kingdom that God has made available to us all through Christ Jesus. I'll close out with a word of prayer that I'm handed over to elder, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight for someone who is hearing this teaching, hearing this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they've been bound by condemnation. And it may be for some that it may be something or way of living that they left years ago, but it still nags at them. I pray that the blood would wash it away tonight, right now, in the name of Jesus. Ah, God, I pray that you will cause them to see that their past is drowned is sunken in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, God, I just feel it. I feel even as you're watching right now, there may be somebody who's watching this video. You need to get a vision of your sins drowning in the blood of Jesus. God is saying, I'm purifying you. God is saying, I've already paid the price. God is saying, even before you did it, I paid for it. Mm. The, price, the, the payment was already made available. You just need to apply it to your heart by faith. You need to receive it by faith and just begin to thank him right where you are. Just begin to thank him. 
just begin to thank him and say, thank Lord, I thank you for covering my sins. I thank you for washing my sins away. God, fill me with your spirit. Mm. God, grant me interest into this kingdom that I've heard about tonight. And he'll do it right there, right where you are. Yes, even through a video. <laughs> All you have to do is have faith and believe that Jesus did it for you and that this kingdom is available to you even now. It's at your fingertips. And God, I pray also for those who are in the church, but who are stagnant, mm. who are lukewarm, who are not operating in this level of authority and power and boldness. I pray that that changes tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Elder, I hand it over back to you. Well, 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 hallelujah. Um, all I do is say the kingdom is at hand. Glory and, it's to in, God. and it's all around you. You're hallelujah. walking in it. If you know who you are, you know, got to look in the mirror and say, who am I? I'm a child Hallelujah. of the living God. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Power. So you spoke that thing. You taught it exceptionally well. I Glory thank God that God. you help people understand that there is a heaven and there is a heaven on earth. And so God is calling us that kingdom come. As yeah. it is, he's saying that, that you are my kingdom. You you got Glory all power. Him. I've given it to you for what Hallelujah. you've seen the Father do. I've given you to do. So when you yeah. when Christ died, Hallelujah. and you want to reign with him, all you got to do when you confess Jesus, you really saying my flesh is dying. I, I want I want to be more like Christ. Hallelujah. But people don't understand that the power is the word. It's in the word. What is faith? Faith cometh by what? Hearing. Hearing. Yes. Word of God. So you really. Uh, emphasize that I like that base about the kingdom, the power, the dominion power, and that that you shared with us the power. What was it? Uh, dominion and power to rule. Yeah. Dominion, so yes, power, power rule, yes. The power. He's given you and I and everybody on this line. We don't. The body of Christ doesn't. They think the only ones that have that power are people that lead the church, mm. <laughs> people that are pastors and those that are evangelists and, and those that are serving in church. That's not. Mm. That's not. Big. That's not biblical. Mm. He's giving everybody a measure of a gift. And so mm. this kingdom, this kingdom is power. Hallelujah. It represents the presence of God in our lives. And that's what's missing in the world. I like what you said at the end, how you close us out. But there's a groaning in the earth. There's a there's a crying. There's a thirsting. Um, we're we, we, we coming out of pandemic and people want to celebrate. But they don't want to worship. Mm. So you haven't changed. Mm. <laughs> so if your mm. church is, is celebrating and not mm. worshiping God, my, my, my. Mm. and I don't, I don't mean to be offensive, but I want you all to think about that because what, what Reverend Travis taught us tonight is the kingdom is you. It's in mm. you. Hallelujah. And the power that God's given you to do greater greats. And then, as you said, you know, you can speak that word because that's what you, you, you are an extension of the heavens of God and heaven and Glory earth, he used God. you on this kingdom to serve for him, that he would be glorified, that Hallelujah. people will be healed yes, by God. faith to believe that his grace gave you the keys to the kingdom, which is his, which is faith to believe in the power of the word. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Elder Seals and, and um, uh, Mother uh, Curleen if they wanted to add anything before we close out, because I'll get happy and we'll be on for another half hour. So And, and you ain't going to turn off. I'm not going to turn off. So I, I know my wife going to say, babe, babe, what you doing? <laughs> so you know what's amazing? And to the listening audience, I'm going to say this to you, Reverend Travis. Um, 
this is what we mean by not being by letting the Holy Spirit have its way. Mm. Because there's so much more that the way if you can watch television for three hours a movie. Mm. We've watched basketball, football. Don't let it be a championship game. Mm. And it goes into the to the twelfth inning or the thirteenth inning. Or a basketball game, a best baseball basketball game, you go into the, you know, the last quarter or the football. Whatever it is, we can watch it. But when it comes to Jesus, when it mm. comes to this word, we don't have time. Elder Seals, I see you trying to say something. Come on, say something here. I don't yes, see you, but I yes, can't hear you. Yes, I was going Turn it up to a little say, bit. To, I was going to say to the man of God, hallelujah. You better get ready, young man, because there's doors that's going to be open. I can see a platform about thousands of individuals with you teaching and bringing the word of God. You need to set yourself and get ready because big things are happening large. God is enlarging your borders. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. He's sitting you on a platform, hallelujah, to teach his word because you're not taking his glory. You're not taking his glory. So many have taken his glory and you're not taking his glory. So get ready. Get ready. Even as you were speaking and you were talking, I can see people just all around you. I can see it. Hallelujah. So get ready. Hallelujah. I thank God for the word and I thank God that you bless my soul tonight and so many of us out there that we hear. Hallelujah. I thank God for you. You be blessed. Hallelujah. I receive that woman of God. Thank you so much. I receive that. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to uh, God. Mother, uh, evangelist Mother Curleen West Hastings. You know, the Bible talk about out of the mouth of two and three witness. I, I think I have said some of those similar words to you, uh, Elder Newsom, that God yes, has man. called you to higher heights and deeper depth. And he has called you and he's testing the water with you now. Mm. See what you're going to do with when you don't have thousands. Are you mm. going to preach the same way? Glory and to preach God. to us like there was thousands tonight. Glory to God. You're on proven ground. And Hallelujah. God is going to launch you. I've told you this before. He's about yes, to launch ma'am. you. Yes, ma'am. God have a great work for you, young man. Uh, keep on crying loud and spear not. Glory to God. And uh, while you're yeah. on there, I'm going to ask you, tomorrow is Juneteenth, um, if I don't mind indulging for a second, if you could come on and sing Amazing Grace at 10 o'clock, because truly it's been an amazing grace. When mm. you think about what where he has brought us from mm. and has made us from joint air, mm. we came from slavery, and God said, I'm about to make you all joint air. And yeah. if somebody had Talk to us and said that yeah, in mama. this time and season, mm. y'all are going to be blessed. People would look and say, where did they get that from? But they had to look down the road. And I prophesied mm. to you tonight, mm. keep on looking down the road. You keep on kicking the oh, can as you go down the road because oh, you're sorry. making noise. People think it's just oh, an empty can, but you're making some noise for Jesus. Young oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm 
personally going to take you to Jamaica and launch you down there because you know what? They, they just need to hear from y'all. And I know that God, my God, my God, you are chosen. Glory to God. Oh my God, you are chosen. Before you were in your mother's womb, you chose you. God bless you. God bless you. Hopefully you can come on tomorrow. I got to yeah. get off the air. Um, I've been on here for a while and my family is looking for me. <laughs> I, I couldn't leave. And uh, I wanted to stay with my family. So God bless all of you. Bless you, Pastor. Jennifer. I'll be on tomorrow. Bless all of you. God bless you all. Amen. Um, God bless you. Yeah, try hey, to Mother get Carly, on before you, before you go. Yes, yes sir. Um, and, and Elder Seals, I just want to pray for him before before we before we get off. And I want to ask him. Um, I was going to teach next week. I'd like for you to come back and teach on. I, I heard in the spirit uh, the teach on now that you've talked about the kingdom. I, I, I'm asking. I'm letting the Holy Spirit ask you to teach on the keys to the kingdom. God, he didn't just tell us to understand the kingdom, but I want you to speak to this. The power that God has released in the atmosphere for this realm of time that we're in is a new era. It's a new beginning of what Christendom is going to look like. And God has said, I've given you the foundation. I've given you to stand on a solid rock, but you don't understand the power, the keys that I've given you of faith. And faith unlocks the door. Grace, grace is the power, the sovereign power that you talked about. That is that is sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient potent of God. It's the fullness mm. of who he is that rules and reigns in the heavens and the earth. And mm. so what God is saying to us is I'm giving the powers to do the greater greats that mm. you saw the disciples do. I passed it on to you. And I'd like for you to teach and share that on and, and read, look that up and come back next week. I have to check on a few. I usually have a thing on Thursday night, but I will definitely get back with you. But I, I'm I'm humbled by the invitation. Just let me know if you're not. I'm, if you're not, I, I'll find something else. To, I'll teach something else. But listen, but I'm humbled. I'm humbled by the invitation, though, truly. And we'll work to get more people to just listen. But uh, you know what? Like I told you the other day, um, don't worry about people. Yes, just sir. Just keep teaching the word of God. Glory to God. We don't know who's hearing this. Amen. Lift up the name of Jesus. He'll draw all men to, 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 the, to God himself. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you for the anointing on his life. We thank you for the season that you put him in, that people, especially the millennials and Generation Z and all the others that are still coming, Lord, that need to hear this kind of teaching. Lord, in the name of Jesus, continue to use my touch and agree with Mother Evangelist Caroline, oh God, and my wife and uh, Elder Jennifer Seals has said very clearly that God has something very special and it's manifesting. It's already here. The doors are open. Walk in. I heard the door tell us several weeks ago, the doors are open. Come in. Hallelujah. Come in. Oh, thank Glory you, to God, God, that he's been obedient. He's waiting, oh God. He has waited on you, oh God. And so we thank you that you're ushering him into the new beginning, even right Right now, oh God, because it's already written. He said it. It's already written. The Alpha and the Omega. So, Lord, just usher him in right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the new beginning. We thank you for all the doors, the windows, opportunity as he walks humbly before you in Jesus' name. God bless everybody. We thanking okay. you again. We'll be on next Tuesday teaching number 15, uh, 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 Smith Wiggleworth's book, chapter 15. It's the 15th week on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And then next Thursday, we'll stay tuned. We, we're praying that he'll come. 
come back next week and 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 be our special guest. We had an opening, so if you can come and return next week, otherwise my wife or I will teach. But we just want you to know you're welcome at any time, and you want to praise oh, and God. worship at any time. Just come on back. Bless oh, your heart, God. Reverend. We love you. God bless, bless you, your heart. Bless you. Tell Good tell night. your pastor we say hello and that you're a yes, jewel and a, and, a, and a diamond in the rough. Glory <laughs> to God. Praise God. God bless that you he all. To grow bless in the ministry. You. God bless, bless you all. Peace of God, everybody. This is Elder Anton, Elder Jennifer Seal saying good night. The, I told you if you come on, listen a little bit, you're going to leave here feeling much better. So thank you for the fire. The fire of God is on fire. The Lord is down on the inside of you all. You better catch it. He told you, God, God gave you power, for the kingdom is in you and you're near it. It's already here. Walk into the kingdom, walk into the goodness of the Lord. Bless you. Peace of God be with you. Hallelujah. <laughs> God bless you, Elder. I'm I'm signing off. I'm signing yes, off. God bless you. Amen. Love you in Jesus' name. God bless you, Elder Jennifer. God bless you. Bless you back. Love you.